So we're going to jump into a, a new series and um, kind of go through it. And then at the end, we're going to have a little time of response and uh, also go back into worship. I just say that as uh, preparation, because if you're like me, as soon as somebody's speaking and they, uh, you know, in a church like ours, and they say, I want the worship team to come back up, um, it's easy for your mind to shut off. Like, okay, we're done, and you're just right waiting for the exit music so you can walk out. But we want to be responders. We want to be people that don't just hear and say, that was a cool chat, or what a neat topic, but that we truly respond to what God is saying to us and, and have a time for that. But we're going into a new series. We actually did this a year ago, uh, this series called Entrusted. And uh, the idea being just what God has put into us and uh, what he's entrusted us with. But we're going to kind of take a slightly different angle on it. Um, as you can see, the bold is in the middle. We're going to be looking at our part. So God has entrusted us. But the question is, do we trust him? And he's entrusted us with many, many things. And we can't deny that. But there is a question of how do we trust him with those things? Do we really depend on him and, and, and are we really uh, trusting him? For entrusted, the definition here, um, here's two of them, to charge or invest with a trust or responsibility. So he's given us a trust, he's given us a responsibility to charge with a specific, a specified office or duty involving trust. Another one here, to commit something in trust to, to confide, as for care, use, or performance. So he's put things in our lives. So what have we been, in, what, what have you been entrusted with? Just think about your life. What are some things that you think God has entrusted you with? To kind of help, we could look at it this way. What of yourself did you create? So sometimes if I ask the question for myself, uh, what did God entrust me with? I can think of a couple different giftings and say, oh, this one, you know, it's, it's a spiritual gifting. So he must have given me that one. And um, oh, this one time, that's right. He used me to pray for this person. So he must have done that one. And I can kind of think of it in that way. But when I ask the question of what of myself did I create? All of a sudden it's like, okay i got to kind of check myself on that. Because we either believe that all we have is from God or we don't. To kind of put it, to be simple on it. We either truly look at every single thing we have, the opportunities we've had, the, 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 the giftings we have, the successes we have, that all those things come from God or we don't. Now, sometimes we can look at it and say, oh, I, I think, you know, God made me really good at math. But then everything I've done with that gifting from here on out has been me. Has it? Or is it God's grace and in, in his e equipping and in him opening up a door to where you can step into a new opportunity and, and, and walk in that. And then through that, something new flourishes and, and then he puts a new gift in you and you step into that a little bit more. So to kind of help us think about what have we been entrusted with? You know, for myself, every day, well, not every day, but it sounds good. We'll go with it. Every day, <laughs> I realize more and more how much of my life is the grace of God. 
And uh, the younger I was, the more I would probably be in the camp of saying, okay, yeah, he gave me these couple giftings, but this is kind of what I've done with those giftings. But more and more, every day that goes by, the more I just see God's grace over the whole thing. I see his protection across the whole thing. And, and, and we've talked about that. But, but just really looking at the grace of God in our life. And also just the more I trust him in all these areas, the better everything goes. And it, uh, my wife thinks that's funny. She laughed up here. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know why she's laughing. Maybe she thinks I'm lying right now. I don't know. But the thing is, is it, you know, sometimes it can be hard to trust God. If you're like me, it can be hard to trust him. I get a little nervous or, or I don't know and, and, and so I can hold on to things. But it's so silly because every time I do trust him, he always comes through. He's never, he's never left me hanging. He's never abandoned me. He's always there. He always comes through. Even when his plan takes a slightly different course or a majorly different course than I thought it would, we end up in a much better place than I could have ever have dreamed of. So All right, so trust. So that's entrusted. We've been entrusted. And just thinking about that in your life, what is it that God has placed in you? What has he called you to? What people has he brought into your life? What resources has, has he given you? What things? And we're going to look at this for a couple weeks. But looking at the word trust... Here's a definition. It's a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of someone or something. Here, trust is an action. It is not a confession. But we've got to put it into practice. Because it's, it's not just a confession for us to say, God, I trust you. You know, that can be great. And you can, we can pray that. We can, we can shout it in a song. We can declare it. But at some point, we got to begin to actually step out and put action to it. Because it, is it really trust? You know, if I, if I tell my uh, Aiden, eight my oldest son, he's 15. Um, and so pretty soon, uh, lucky for us, he's not motivated to get his driver's license. But one day, he probably will be. Actually, the thing that's motivating him is we keep telling him that his sister, Lucy, who's um, about a year and a half younger than him, is probably going to get her license before him because she's extremely motivated. And knowing that she has a chance to beat him out at that has even motivated her more. But at one time, I'm going to have to trust them with driving um, one of our vehicles, um, which actually I'm not too scared of. We drive a lot of pretty old, really strong, <laughs> they can drive through brick wall vehicles. But... More than that, we're going to trust him with driving some of our other favorite kids. And um, <laughs> so we, uh, but I can't say I trust them, but then not let the other kids get in the car. You know what I mean? If I trust them, I have to actually allow them. It can't just be a conversation where I sit down and I hand them the keys and I talk to them about responsibility and I, and I go over all the details and I, I, I do all this stuff and I make sure they recite it back to me and I'm like, do you understand? And they say yes. It's only trust if I actually say, Coraline, you can get in the car and drive with Lucy. It's not going to happen. <laughs> So we got to put action. It cannot, trust cannot just be a confession. It, can, it starts with that. we, we got to get our mind into it. So confession is important. 
But man, we got to take that step and turn it into an action in our life. So question here, what are we trusting in? When you think of God, what are we trusting in? And, and I thought of it in two ways. Are we trusting in his ability or are we trusting in the fact that he is? And there's a difference there. I can trust in his ability to do something and say, he's, you know, I believe he's powerful enough to pull it off. I've seen him do it for other people. But sometimes ability can lead me down a little bit of a, yeah, but I don't think he actually cares about me enough to actually do it. He's capable, but I don't think he would want to do that for me. It can also turn into where, I'm, because I'm focused on his ability, I'm looking at what I want to get out of it. So then I'm praying prayers, or I'm asking God, or I'm believing for things that are just for my benefit. Versus when I trust in the fact that he is, then it's no longer about what I'm getting out of it. Because I'm putting my trust in who he is. And he is good. And he is just. And he is fair. And he is kind. And he is gentle. And he is patient. And so therefore, when it doesn't quite happen the way I had maybe hoped it would or wanted it to, it's still okay because I'm still encountering who he is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, is it his ability that I'm tapping into? Because that's pretty easy. Or is it who he is that I'm tapping into? You know, I like to think of that um, uh, to truly, if I really trust, then when I'm going through something tough, I should be able to worship. I should be able to worship through it because I'm worshiping who he is. I'm not worshiping him so I get this in return. I'm worshiping him because of who he is, because it's so much bigger and, and, and so much greater than, than what I want. In Proverbs 3, th chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So we put our trust in him with all our heart. Sounds good. I think we're all into that. I want to trust in the Lord. Okay, maybe we challenge ourselves a little bit with the all of my heart, so I'm giving him all my heart, but I'm leaning not on my own understanding. That can be difficult for me. And, and, uh, and because I want to get my own mind going into it. And I was thinking about the disciples when they were in the boat and, um, and the storm comes and Jesus is there, and he, he's sleeping, and they start freaking out. And they start panicking, and then they're thinking they're going to die, and they're thinking everything, you know, it, it, it's, it's over, and so they're waking him up. And they're like wondering, why can he sleep through this? What, what is he doing? You know, I think of that as their focus was on his ability. Their focus was on the fact that they, they, they believed he could stop the storm. They didn't understand why he wasn't. And why, if he could, was he just casually taking a nap? Didn't he care? Wasn't he worried about their lives? Versus keeping their focus on who he is. And that they know they're in a boat with the great I am. They're in the boat with the Son of God. They're in the boat with their Savior. And they can put their trust in the fact that they're in the boat with their Savior. So a storm can come. It's not about, actually, whether or not he stops the wind. 
It's not about really whether or not he stops the wave. It's the fact that they're in the boat with Jesus. And it's not about his ability, it's about who he is. And, you know, the little test there is, is again, can we worship in it? Is it something that we can worship in? All right, so today, we're going to, that, that, our series is entrusted. What have we been entrusted with? We're focusing on the fact that we got to step out and trust. And we're going to hit it on three parts. We're going to hit it uh, today on inquire. Are we inquiring of God? And then we're going to, uh, uh, another week, I'm not going to tell you which one because no one will come. We're going to hit on money. <laughs> And then another week, we're going to hit on time and rest and kind of like the Sabbath idea. Are we trusting God? And what is God doing there? So in, in inquire, you know, we are supposed to, God wants us to, to, to seek after him and to, and to inquire him on, on what he wants us to do and, and moving forward and what he thinks of us. And if you turn in your Bible to Luke uh, chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, and it'll also be on the screen, so you can just turn a whole bunch of pages and everyone will think that you're looking in your Bible, but you can just look up here. It says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So... When I was younger, I, I grew up in the church, and uh, we used to do a lot of door-to-door -door stuff. Any of you guys ever have to go door-to-door -door as a kid, whether because of church or sports or something? Um, I've sold hundreds of M&Ms in boxes. I've sold hundreds of chocolate bars, um, which, you guys ever remember the smell of a chocolate bar when it comes in the cardboard box that holds all the chocolate bars, how it just has a very unique scent I just thought of that when I was saying that. I miss that smell. But it, it's different than, you, it's not like going to cash and carry and buying a thing of Hershey's just in the really thin kind of cardstock. Not talking about cardstock here, folks. Talking about actual cardboard mixed with kind of that type of chocolate. It's just very unique. So we used to do that a lot. Um, we used to do a lot of sponsors. Uh, I don't know if you guys did jogathons or different things. Like, I mean, it just seemed like every month there was a new reason that I had a, like a clipboard and a piece of paper. And then um, uh, the, the, the church uh, across America got into a VHS video called the Jesus Series. And so then what we would do is we'd go door to door and try to get people to watch that. And then we would go door to door again to try to talk to them about whether or not they watched it. And, and so we used to go door to door all the time. And to be honest, I used to go and I mean, the whole, I'd get excited. Okay, we're going to do this. And we're with people, and there would kind of be this excitement. And that excitement would stop as soon as I got to the front lawn. And all of a sudden, it was like, you know, it really wouldn't be bad if these folks weren't home. And so you go and you knock, and it's kind of like, you know, I, you kind of hope they're not home. I, I could care less if I got the sponsorship. Someone else maybe will or feel sorry for me because I hit 100 doors, and I tried, and no one answered. But I would kind of be excited that they weren't home. And uh, because I could still say that I attempted it. You know what I mean? 
I could still say that I went out there, I had the Jesus video in my backpack, a whole bunch of them. There's a team of us. We were ready to talk to them about God. We were ready to pray, and we were going to do follow-up, but thank God they weren't there. <laughs> the next church down the street can maybe hit this zone again or something like that, and I won't have to worry about it. But, I, you know, because you get scared, like, you know, what I, cause, because as soon as they open the door, now I got to be engaged in, in, in who knows what you're going to deal with. It could be someone with a lot of questions. It could be someone challenging my viewpoint. It could be, you know, who knows what it is. But I think it can be that way sometimes with God, where we have something that we want to bring to him. And we're actually a little nervous that he might open the door. Maybe it's because we're scared that he's not going to open the door. and We don't want to handle the rejection. Maybe we're pretty certain we're not going to like his answer. <laughs> Maybe we don't like the timing or whatever it is. And so we kind of do a partial inquiry, kind of real quick. Hey, God, what do you think? And it's like, well, I, I attempted. And I guess he didn't shout it at me, so I'm off the hook because I didn't hear it. But do we really slow down to stop and be willing, like this verse is saying, to seek him, to ask, to knock, to seek, to knock, to ask, and to keep going, to inquire, in that I don't want to step forward until God comes and God shows me what he's saying. I don't want to move forward until I know God is with me. I don't want to make this decision until I hear, is this of God's will? And, you know, the other thing is, a lot of times what we can do is uh, uh, we ask God the first part, and then we kind of say, oh, don't worry, I, I, okay, perfect, I got it from here. So, you know, Lord, should I go do this? And, and you know, you, you feel the peace of God to do it, but then we don't keep asking, okay, and when do you think that would be a good idea? And in what attitude should I do it in? And this and that. And so we, we can kind of get our own mind and our own thinking back into it. And it's like, well, he gave me the green light to do it. I got it. You gifted me. And I can do this. No, he wants us to trust in him in every single step of the way and rely on his wisdom, to rely on his peace, to rely on his plan in his way of doing it. If you uh, will also turn to um, Exodus chapter 20. And you can keep your finger in Luke if you want, because we're actually going to go back there. In Exodus chapter 20, hon, can I have my, or my, I'll grab a water bottle. In Exodus chapter 20, uh, here it says, I am God. Oh, no, reading out of the message. I need to go back over here. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. So we're going to stop there. You know, one of the things with, with trust is a lot of times we can look at some of the, the things that God laid out for the Israelites God laid out for Abraham and, and God put there in the Old Testament. And we want to say, well, that's all old. 
It's of the Old Testament. We're all under the, you know, we're under the new covenant. And, and, you know, Jesus came and he wiped those things away. You know, and that's true for salvation. I can go and I could be a farmer and I can slaughter every single animal. And it's not like any more sin is coming off of my life. I could go and sacrifice everything. I could give everything. And that's not what God is looking for out of me. But there are still principles that he laid out that are true. And there's still principles that he entrusted us with things. And there's ways that he wants us to walk those out in a way of trusting him with those. That have nothing to do with when they were written or when he spoke them and how many years ago. And whether it's on that first part of the Bible that we call the Old Testament. Or whether it's on the second part that we call the New Testament. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with who he is. It has to do with what he, what he wants us to do and in how we can, we can trust in him. And in here, you know, he starts, and there's several places where he will start out saying something, and the way he starts out is he reminds them, I am the Lord your God. And then he continues on, I brought you out of Egypt, and I brought you out of slavery. You know, and, and, and like that, the Israelites had to be willing to step out. Now, they weren't super great at it, and a lot of times we can throw rocks at them, but I like to, I used to always read it, and I'd be like, man, they're, they're, they're so dumb. How could they do this? How could they keep turning? And then I look back at my life, and I'm like, I'm so dumb. How could I do this? And then I see where they had an attitude, and I'm like, come on. He just provided for you. Like, how are you doing this? And then I think, oh, my attitude. He just provided for me. But, you know, it can be the same way. But, you know, God wants to take us out of our own slavery. And I think one of the ways we can be, for the majority of us in this room, a slavery we, is we put ourselves in it. And it's when we rely on our own thinking. Because slavery is the opposite of freedom. And it's being bound by something. And in our minds, when we rely on our own thinking, we become slaves to ourselves. The freedom is when we break out of our own thinking, as it says in Proverbs, and we, and, and we rely on God. There we find freedom. But just like the Israelites, there's this temptation that even though he brought us out of it and we're walking and we're feeling free, as soon as we hit a resistance, what did they want to do? I want to go back to Egypt. If only I was there. But we can go back and kind of be slaves of our mind. And God wants us to be able to be free of that. So thinking we're in control is a form of slavery of self. And we got to break out of that. We want to walk in our true identity. I was thinking of um, when Tamar was praying about tomorrow being um, Martin Luther King Day. You know, one of the amazing things about Martin Luther King was that um, in the majority uh, of you look at different speeches he did and, and different things where he tried to gather people in the direction he tried to do, one of his main messages is let's not act in the way that is a reaction, which is in our own mind, that they treat us like this, so therefore let's do this. But it was no, let's not, and so let's not react to the label that they put on us or to the lifestyle they want to put on us, or anything like that. But let's walk in our true identity. 
We want to be free, so let's walk as if we're free. Let's not get in our mind that they want to they wanna do this, so let's, let's meet them there and we'll fight them there. Or, or, or we'll, we'll do this. But no, let's walk in the freedom of who God says we are. If we want to be free, let's walk in freedom. Now that can still be, that's, it's not just as easy as making that decision and doing it. But in the same way in our minds, we got to walk in that freedom of who God says we are. And we got to push off our own thinking and go to trusting God and relying on him and inquiring of what is he asking us to do. Because he's called every single one of us in this room, no matter our age, no matter our gender, no matter our background, no matter our heritage, no matter uh, if this is your first time walking into a church, this is your first time in a service like this, or you've been doing this since you were born. He has called every single one of us in this room to do amazing things. He's entrusted every single one of us in this room with amazing gifts. He's given us things. He's, he's, he's opened doors and opportunities for us. And all he asks in return is that we trust him. The amazing thing with God is that he initiates. He does his part first. You know, going back to my kids driving, um, most likely, I haven't gotten there yet, so I'm not positive, but I'm guessing that I'm not going to let them drive one of my tanks until they first prove to me in someone else's car that they can drive. <laughs> right? That's the way I operate. So I'm not going to let them versus what does God do with me? He says, here it is. It's yours. And I have it. And he actually takes a risk. Because I can go and take that gift and use it for my own benefit. I can go and I can actually hurt others by doing it in my own understanding. I can go and be extremely selfish by using it only for my gain. But I can also do what he's asked me to do, which is stop, realize what I have comes from him. Say, Lord, I want to trust in you and submit it to him and then walk in obedience by, Lord, this is actually yours. You just gave it to me as a steward. Just like my kids, I can't control them. I can't force them. I've tried it. It doesn't work. All you can, that was a joke, okay? I'm not that <laughs> domineering, so thank you. All I can do God has given them to Tamar and I to steward and to, to, to do our best and, and, and to ask him what we should do with them. And when an attitude rises up, you know, the, to not react out of my own self, but to press pause and then, Lord, how do you want me to deal with this situation? And Tamar and I are perfect at that. We do an amazing job. Just ask our children. No, but we got to... He's entrusted us with so much. And it's not because we earned it. It's not because we deserved it. And it's not because we proved how trustworthy we were. He gave us the keys. He said, here's the brand new car. I know you haven't taken any driving lessons. Do with it what you will. I recommend that you ask me how to start it and how to drive it. Because I would love to teach you. 
but you know what? It's your car, and these are your keys. He trusts us. He's entrusted it there. And so, but are we then sitting in, do we get in and then say, God, I want to inquire, what's the best way to do this? How do I go about this? I want to trust in you. If you go back to uh, Luke chapter 11, I'm going to read out of the message here and actually start a little uh, earlier on in, in, in verse 5. So he's talking to, to the disciples, and he'd actually, he just, in a sense, taught them how to pray. Gave them the Lord's Prayer. And then he says here in, in the message, it says, Then he said, Imagine what would happen if you went to a friend in the middle of the night and said, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. An old friend traveling through just showed up, and I don't have a thing on hand. The friend answers from his bed, don't bother me, the door is locked, my children are all down for the night. Any of you guys ever used that excuse before? I, sometimes it's a really convenient one. They're sleeping. They're actually like playing in the room. No. I can't get up to give you anything. But let me tell you, even if he won't get up because he's your friend, if you stand your ground knocking and waking all the neighbors... He'll finally get up and get you whatever you need. And he says this. That wasn't just a cute story because he didn't just stop there and say, cool, anybody want to go fishing? No, he says this. He says, here's what I'm saying. This is what I'm telling you. Ask and you're going to get. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. But again, we're not doing it in the spirit of his ability to get what we can in return for our own plans or our own motives or our own desires. We're doing in who he is. We're seeking who he is. We're running after who he is. And there has to be patience. There has to be understanding. There has to be a willingness to accept if things change. You know, I was thinking about this verse that, you know, true trust. If I, if I, if I told you, I trust you, but I go up to your door and I knock on it, in, in a couple minutes, you don't come to the door, and I just walk off. I'm really not trusting that you have what I need. Because if I really trust God, I am going to stand at his door, and I am going to keep knocking, and keep knocking, and ringing the doorbell, even though it says baby sleeping, and I'm going to keep knocking. I might walk around and hit on a couple windows, because I know he's there. Because it's who he is. And if I trust him, I'm not going to just say, well, he didn't answer the door today. I guess I'll go do this in my own strength and my own thinking. No, I'm going to stay there patiently and wait for him. You know, a couple examples of this is uh, uh, it, you have Moses, and Bob brought this up last week. You have Moses hitting the rock, and, and he was supposed to speak to it. Well, we can be like that. What happened earlier on in Moses' life is he was actually supposed to bring water and God actually told him to hit the rock, to take a staff and, and, and hit the rock. And water came out. So then in this next time, in another moment of frustration where he had just had it up to here with the people and, and he was frustrated and just about this journey that he's on. And God, what did God tell him to do? He told him to speak to it. But you know, how many times are we like that where God's done one thing and the next time he tells us to do it a different way, 
But out of our own frustration or our own impatience or our own um, just self-centeredness, we don't, because we're so bogged down in our brain, we don't quite hear what he's saying and we walk over and we do it the old way. Instead of being willing and, and because we're inquiring of God to do it the new way that he said. You have this uh, uh, thing with Saul and um, he's trying to decide on a, on a battle. And, uh, and, and he, 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 he's getting impatient because he's waiting for Samuel to come and they're going to pray and they're going to decide, okay, is this God's will? How should we do this and all of that? And he gets impatient. And what does he do? He does his own sacrifice and decides, you know, I'll just take matters in my own hands. He's taken a long time. I need to get on with my thinking and what I need. And that wasn't a good idea. He also then later on, he decides he's going to, in another way, is, is he relies on, on his own strength. Is he goes and he numbers the people. I don't really think that God cared if Saul worked on his math skills. I don't think that was the big idea there of whether or not he was counting. The issue was that he was relying on his own intellect. You know, and we can do that so much in our life where we look at what we have and we start calculating it and start deciding it to where we get away from inquiring of God. And uh, my challenge for all of us is just that we look at what we've been entrusted with. And worship team, you can come up. And people, you cannot check out. And uh, this is going to be a great day. We're all going to get through this. That we've been entrusted and if you're struggling with what have you been entrusted with, go back to that other question of what of my life did I create? I can tell you I did not pick my height. I did not pick, um, I don't know, I don't want to go through the list. But I didn't pick it, okay? There are some talents that I have that I would love to say I picked. But, you know, it, as people, we can be, uh, there's a book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lincioni. And he, he, he talks about how all of us, the way we think is basically that everything good that happens is because of our hard work. And everything um, bad that happens is because of bad luck and the world's against us. And then with others, we see their success as luck. And we see their failures as who they really are in their character. And it's this messed up way that sometimes we think. But... Uh, you know, we can be like that with God, where we can look at what we have and say, well, yeah, that's because of who I am. God, you really trusted me. I'm a, I'm a really good guy to you, and that's why you gave me this. No. He took a risk. And he said, here's this brand new car. Get in it. And you're going to grow into it, and you're going to learn. And I'm here for you. I'm always sitting in the, in the, in the passenger seat with you. And I'm always willing to help you navigate. I'm always willing to, to, to watch your blind spots. I'm always willing to, to help you get through it. If you get a flat tire, I'm going to teach you how to deal with it. If obstacles come, I'm going to help you navigate that. Whatever happens, I'm always here. But I need you to ask. I need you to inquire. So I just want to encourage us. Will you guys stand to your feet? that even in the, in the midst of this 21 days of fasting and prayer, is that we have an attitude of not thinking, 
about something selfish we want and decide we're just going to sit there and keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking until we get our way. That, that, that's throwing a fit. That's throwing, you know, that, that's having an attitude. But we want to tap into who God is and say, Lord, what do you want from me? God, do you want me to wait? Because I, I don't want to start the sacrifice. I don't want to start the thinking until it's time and it's, it's, it's your timing. Lord, I want to slow down. I, I don't want to get so caught up in my own frustrations and my own worries that I do it the way you told me to do it yesterday, but you want me to do it different today. Help me to slow down. And then my, my heart, my, my, my spirit, my, 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 my mind would be open, my ears would be open to hear what you're saying to me today. God, help me not to, to count and to start looking at my resources or looking at my abilities or looking at these accomplishments and that somehow they're going to boost my, my ego or boost my self-confidence and my self-worth. Because God, everything I have is only because of you. And so Lord, I don't want to take another step just because it worked then. I don't want to say it's going to work now. So Lord, I want to depend on you. What do you have for me this year? What different things do you have for my family this year? What, what, what things do you have for me in my neighborhood or in my, my, my place of employment? So we're going to go into this song, and I want to invite um, the prayer team. And to, to the prayer team, I always want to say that, you know what, there is no shame in needing prayer. And so just because you're on the prayer team doesn't mean you always have to be on the prayer team. If you need prayer or you just need to have a time where you're sitting with God, so be it. But I would if, uh, like to invite the prayer team to come forward. I guess that's a weird way of doing it. Those of you that don't need prayer, come forward. <laughs> Ignore everything I said. But let's have a, we're going to take a couple minutes here and we're going to respond. And uh, as we worship, just that you would open yourself up. You need prayer for something, come forward. You, you going through a situation maybe has nothing to do with what I talked on and you haven't even heard a word I said because you've just been caught up in that. You know what? God is here to meet with you in that, that situation. Yeah. You maybe walked in here and this is your first time coming into a church or maybe you've come in a whole bunch of times but you've never said, Jesus, I want to make you the leader of my life. I tell you what, there's nothing that would excite these people up here more. Might make them nervous, but we don't care about that. Then for you to come up and say, you know what? I want to start this new relationship with God. Yeah. He's talking about trust in Him. I don't know, what, what, how, would, how do I trust Him? But all I know, if, if, if He's really sitting next to me, and I want Him sitting next to me in the car, I want to begin to ask Him questions. I want to have Him start helping me navigate my life. We want to pray for you and come on up here. So let's go into this and let's respond. And let's this week make a point that we don't take a step forward without inquiring, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want to say to me?